The audio for this episode is originally from a live video broadcast. To check it out, visit youtube.com slash mygolfspy. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the 2019 Most Wanted slash Buyer's Guide slash Golf Ball Guide from My Golf Spy. Um, slash, slash, slash. So basically, today and the reason we're here is to discuss everything that went into the golf ball test, the results of the golf ball test, and then the resulting impact that we think it might have both on consumers and the industry moving forward, and why some of those things might happen. Um, just to back up a little bit and let everybody know, if you haven't seen the golf ball test, go on to My Golf Spy. It's on the homepage. Uh, it's been and is our most impactful study that we've done. Uh, not from the in regards to how much time it took to do the test. There are tests here that take two, three months, but in the value that this test provides for golfers. Um, and I'll just start by going around and asking Harry, <clears throat> After this got published, well, first, before it got published, did you think that this would be that big of a deal? I literally thought we could throw, uh, throw a blanket over the balls when, when they were hitting in the robot. I literally just <laughs> thought it was going to be like that, you know? Yeah, thought a robot was going to yeah, hit them all in the same place, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So uh, Sam was saying that earlier. He said that, you know, even he as a great golfer and you as a great golfer, you guys knew like little things like this ball was better around the green, but you didn't know. You thought the Chrome Soft was a good ball, you said, you know? Yeah, I mean, to your point, I try out different balls all the time. The new Pro V1s for me go a lot lower. That's the idea for them. That was pretty cool. But then the, uh, the other balls I try out, they're all kind of like the same. That's what I kind of, the consensus Thought. is. And then I'm, I'm told that these balls are good by, by all the marketing in mm -hmm. the industry. And I, I just figured Tor, Tor Pros yeah, play the Chrome the Soft. Is, you know? And I didn't <clears> even know that the Chrome Soft was bad until, you know, we started talking about it. And, and I've heard So we put it to from, the test. Yeah. So a few things. Uh, to back up a little a bit again, over a quarter million people have seen this ball study, which is a large amount of golfers. And we want to reach more because of how powerful this is and why it's powerful. And I think one of the reasons is because, one, there are companies that have this data, meaning there are ball companies that have done these tests and done these studies. The difference is no one has ever shared this data with any golfer. So for the very first time ever, I mean, you guys have seen driver tests, you've seen iron putter tests, YouTube reviews, but for all kinds of products. But you've never seen a comprehensive study done on golf balls other than, let's say, I think Golf Digest does like a 50-yard wedge test, which is not comprehensive in the even, it's not even that helpful, to be honest. So this gives people real powerful data to where they can make decisions based on their game and choose a ball. And once again, there are people that had this info they just had never shared this info. And uh, to be honest with you, there was a lot of misleading misinformation, folklore, mythology that went into and were surrounding golf balls. And this kind of cut through the bullshit and tells people what's real and what's true. And uh, that being said, we're going to actually call to Tony Covey uh, in New York and bring Tony in because what we want to do now, <laughs> we want to start by talking about how we went about doing the test. So if you're a My Golf Spy reader, I don't want to get too technical and too boring, but there's a lot of debate like robots, not robots. Just we want to put this out there. We use the robot for ball testing because that is the best way to do ball testing. We also use the TrackMan uh, in concert with that. 
For club testing, the best way to do that is with human testers. And we use human testers for clubs performance and uh, robots to determine the performance of golf balls. And Tony uh, is in New York, and you, I think Tony's live now with us. Tony, how you doing today? Uh, I get by. You know. You're getting by? <laughs> I get by. So Tony uh, is probably uh, being bombarded right now on Twitter as we speak with a lot of questions and comments about how we did the test, why we did this. So Tony, can you just start by when you and I first decided we we're going to do a golf ball test and tell people why we wanted to do it and then why we chose to do it the way we did? Well, I guess, I guess, you know, the reason we did it was certainly curiosity was a big part of it, right? Because we, as much as we've been doing club studies, club tests for the last going on 10 years now, right? We've never done a comprehensive ball test. And we've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of requests from readers like, hey, when are you going to do a big ball test? And we're like, you know, we, we've laid it out. And I mean, I guess, you know, that's one thing nobody probably is too aware of is how much thinking and planning goes into to a test like, all right. How do we do this? What's the right, right way to do it? What's the right tool set, right? What's tool set meaning, you know, robot versus humans, trackman versus foresight, that sort of thing. So uh, the reason behind it was our readers wanted it. A ton of planning went into it. And, and part of that planning too is, is taking our assumptions. Like, what do we know? What have we learned to date? And then and going to, the, going to the guys on the inside of the industry and say, all right, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we want to do. How do we do this? What do we need to do? And and we get a lot of a lot of guidance that way. And then we we have to work in the individual challenges that we have. You know, good example, right? We tested 36 golf balls, right? Nobody does that because if, if you're a Titleist, if you're a Callaway, if you're if you're one of the big guys, you're you're not worried about a cut or or probably even a vice. Like those guys really really aren't a big threat to your business. So. Those type of balls don't get routinely included in tests, let alone, you know, again, 36 others. So, All right, so we wanted to do the test because, one, golfers deserve that information. We are the people that tell you we're wanting to do that for consumers, right, consumer first. So we waited until we had the knowledge base and knew how to do it correctly. Uh, the reason why we haven't done it in 10 years is because it took us 10 years of knowledge and learning to figure out how to do this properly, and we didn't want to do it right until we knew how to do it right, right? So now that we chose to do it and we knew that we could do it right, what were the experts telling us? Uh, one of the biggest questions we've got uh, is why did you choose 115 and 85 miles an hour on a robot when you did your test? So this one, I, this one has probably come up a hundred times already and I think I've probably answered it 30 times in the comment section. But you know, I, I think one of the, the big misunderstanding is that, that sort of golf balls do different things at different speeds, right? And so, uh, uh, what we were told early on to expect when we were kind of working with, with the guys on the inside industry is that there's not a huge kind of shift and you don't see numbers move up and down. And so by choosing 85 and 115, what, what essentially we did was choose the endpoints, right? So at about 85 miles an hour driver, driver swing speed, driver swing speed equivalent, you start to see real differences emerging golf balls, right? That's where we start to see, you know. Never mind the ends, but even kind of in the middle, you see a few yards between balls, right? And then at 115, now you're getting to more of extreme end where those differences are amplified and you really start to see kind of separation between models. And so if you connect the dots between 85 and 115, you get a nice little slope where you can predict where a ball is going to fall for any performance metric. So, you know, if you're looking at, for example, 
spin number. Well, if you if you look at what that ball does from spin at 85, there it goes. We knew that was going to happen. So 85 and, and how it spins at 115, that midpoint is going to give you a really good idea. All of how right, that so ball let's is just happen. clear that up for everybody. Everybody that's listening, we totally understand and respect the fact that you swing 102.7 and you want to know that number, right? What is the best ball? We get that. But you have to understand that that's really tough to do right now with where we are. What we can tell you is there are major differences in golf ball performance. We tested them at the polls the way that we, when we consulted with the experts in the industry, the best way to do it at 85 and 115, and then obviously 7-iron and wedge. But for the polls on the driver, you can draw a line basically between those two, and if you're in that line somewhere, it's going to be relative to where those were at 85 and 115. So, I understand all the arguing in the comment session, but I would like to move forward from that because that's taking away from the actual value that we want you guys to understand. And that is starting with number one. The major takeaway, in my opinion, are these six things, and there's other ones for sure, but the first one is Holy shit, golf ball fitting is the future of golf, and here's why. If I told you that all the years of testing that we've done, <laughs> that the golf ball had more differences from product to product than the drivers we test inside this facility day in, week in, week out, year in, year out, I don't think there would have been a single person, if we polled them before this test published, that would have said, hell yeah, uh, the ball is more important than the driver. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. That was my biggest takeaway from the test was that I had no idea there was that much differences between the golf balls. Yeah, so let's talk about yeah, that. it was crazy. Almost 18 yards of difference on a high swing speed from worst to first. Mm -hmm. And Tony, which brought this one to my attention, which I didn't see first, said, let's look at the longest ball in the test versus the shortest single ball in the test. Was it like 30? 40, 40? 40 yards, Tony? I think just under that, yeah, 38, 30, 39, somewhere in that ballpark. All right. Certainly, certainly uh, well within holy shit distance. Yeah. So eight, let's just go back and eliminate the 40-yard holy shit moment, yeah. right, and go, all right, let's deal with the 18 yards, which is real, right? If I told you that I could give you 18 yards with a golf ball, you wouldn't believe it. But if you did believe that, you'd go, well, let's go get fit for a golf right, ball. Exactly, yeah. Because it's a hell of a lot cheaper to buy a $30, $40 dozen golf ball than it is a $500 driver in 2019, right? So, golf ball fitting should become a major and integral part of the industry if the industry wants to help golfers maximize their potential with the talent, raw talent that they're given, right? Do we think that the industry wants to, to do that? Well, I think, I think so if you look at it, right? So Bridgestone has a new and expanded fitting program. I just went back and forth with uh, one of the guys over there. And Bridgestone is certainly a company that has from time to time recommended that somebody who comes in with a competitor's ball stay with that ball. So it's not, it's not entirely brand agnostic, uh, but they will sort of, you know, they're, they're willing to suggest you stay with what you have. Titleist will do ball fittings, obviously. I'm told Strixon does ball fittings, but I think where we really need to get is to the point where the, the brand agnostic club fitters, your, your cool clubs, your true specs, those kind of guys who, who sell the whole complement of, you know, just about every brand also integrate ball fitting as a, as a part of what they do yeah. so yeah, you're I not tied to. But what, what basically there's two different types of fitting. There's one from green to tea and then tea to green. Like, Look, which, which at the end of the day, the it's, it's 
it's been suggested by a lot of people in the golf ball industry, rightfully so, that you should be fit. When you do your fitting, you should do it from the green back to the tee. Correct. I believe that. Yeah. Awesome. Great, right? Now tell me how many people out of 100 can go to a course, course do drop that. 20 balls yeah. in front of a green, That's and the then work their way back without a ranger going, get your ass off the hole and move. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, especially if you buy a ball online, you can't, you have to do everything yourself. That's not realistic. There yeah. needs to be people, that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah, I agree. But once again, you have to have enough data. Let's say you hit three balls bad and you're blaming it on mm -hmm. the ball and it was your swing for those three. Yeah. There needs to be true golf fits for balls. There needs to be club champion for balls, which they do, but they need to do even more. Everybody yeah. needs to go in and go, I want to be fit for a ball. So this is going to be for the consumer to demand of the industry to do, and then you will start to see. I think the biggest takeaway and the biggest impact this test will have on the industry, when we look back and 10 years from now are old as hell between me and Tony, and look back and go, <laughs> what did this test mean? I think we're gonna look back and go, you see all those stores with ball fittings in every yeah. one of them? This test had something to do with that, and I think there's a good reason for it to happen. I agree, you know? yeah. So, golf ball fitting is the future, and I think the next one is all golf balls are not the same. Believe it or not, and I don't want to throw people under the bus, but there were people really high up in the industry that used to tell us that all golf balls perform the same. No bullshit. How, how many years ago was that? Do you remember? Um, till, <laughs> not nearly enough. Till, 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 till the day before <laughs> this test came out. And even yeah. Tony, to some degree, probably thought there was only, I think when we talked, five to eight yards. And he's right for the average golfer. Yeah. But for a high swing speed golfer, it, it's, it's much different. And we know distances and everything, but if distance is being affected by 18 yards, guess what else is being affected? Yeah, exactly. Everything. Yeah. Spin, yeah. launch, yeah. descent shot, angle. Shot area. Shot area, mm -hmm. everything. Okay? These are paper airplanes. They're designed differently, and they fly differently, yeah. right? You have to find <laughs> the right ones. And so all, all golf balls are not the same. And Tony, I'll lead you into that one, meaning yes, we know now that all golf balls aren't the same in regards to distance and spin. Um, we told you there was 18 yards difference from yard uh, from longest to shortest. There was 1,500 or so spin difference on wedge, which is a lot. And then yeah, Tony, yeah. what were the differences from ball to ball, brand to brand, box to box, in regards to quality control, mm. consistency that would blow people's minds you know yeah it's you know it, it's tough to pinpoint exactly you can't, can't say oh you can expect this much but you know you, you sort of expect right and at least I, I think most people would expect that you have a robot that is extremely reliable right very very slight differences in the way the golf club is delivered and so that you would expect that when when you're you know certainly by the time you're into seven iron distance that these balls are going to rain down and, and pretty close to the pretty close to exactly the same spot every time. And I remember the, uh, we did the high speed portion of our iron test. We were chasing daylight and Matt and I were literally standing downrange in the area the balls were landing. And it was crazy. You'd see one come in and it would land, you know, pick a spot, right? And, and we did what we do with drivers where we're, we're rotating balls after every shot and cycling back around and around and around and around. Um, and it would be crazy to see one come in and we'll be like, oh, well, that was a, you know, whatever it happened to be. And then the next one would land, you know, five yards shorter and 10 yards more to the left. And you're like, 
Well, yeah. when you think of the big gust of wind right? coming, there was none. There was none <laughs> and literally, like nothing. Like, yeah, that's, just, yeah so just that's a shocking a moment spot. for a, a guy that's been in the industry 10 years, one of the smartest guys I know about golf equipment performance to go, uh, why is that ball landing where it is? That was an eye-opening moment, but so was the fact that I can guarantee you that pretty much everybody in the world that buys golf balls by the dozens expects that when they buy a dozen golf balls, those 12 balls are the same, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not reality. We found that there's there, in that 12, not only are they all different, but one of the biggest differences is the bigger companies are probably, I don't know if you would agree with the statement, but would you say that the bigger companies, Titleist, Bridgestone, Strixon, probably being the top three, maybe if you want to add in a couple more, you can. They have it. They showed advantages in the consistency area from ball to ball, meaning similar, most similar compressions, similar quality control. Not balls going down and all of a sudden flying 40 yards left, which was due to inconsistent core uh, centering or you know. I mean, I mean a few things, but yeah, I mean, it definitely due to something not right with every single ball kind of situation. But when you bought a dozen golf balls before you did this test. Well, before you started working for my golf spy, did you assume that those twelve balls were pretty much the same? Yeah, in fact, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a brand under the bus here and get get my PR guy in trouble. But I had a conversation not long ago with with a PR, PR guy and talking ball quality, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, in in ours, we find that maybe maybe two or three are are not perfect, absolutely perfectly round, and that's significantly better than a lot of our competitors." You're like, oh, okay. Now, why do, you, why do you think that's the case? Though? Do you think it's to do with cutting corners, or do you think no, it's... I, I think there's a few things. Every product that's made has tolerances, yeah. right? Yes. And I was thinking about it the other day, Titleist and these companies have, and I don't even know if this is true, I was trying to think of why maybe some of the smaller companies wouldn't. It's cheaper, right? Because if you're throwing away balls that don't pass QC checks, yeah. those balls that get thrown away add to balls. the value, right? That's a lot of balls. Yeah. Well, if you're the smaller on brand... A lot of those become excellent. But they, they have a secondary market for those, the Walmarts, the XLs, yep. whatever, right? So they can make some money off those. The direct consumer or other brands, smaller brands, go, well, if we throw those away, man, these <laughs> other balls get way more expensive. So mm-hmm. I think that might be part of it. But every product is inconsistent, and it just comes down to how much pride you have in your quality control. And Titleist, I think, maybe more than any, showed that and has shown that they really give a damn about the quality of every yeah. single ball. And they've, and, they, and they've stayed that for well, years. And, and, and Bridgestone as well. Yeah. And Titleist will say that they do that as well through throughout their entire manufacturing process from balls through core. Well, they don't say it. They do it. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they've got guys that walk their lines in, in uh, the manufacturing uh, yeah. plants that where they're actually building the clubs that, that make sure their quality control is of the highest quality. All right. So let's get to the how much difference so people understand. Tony, how much difference was the worst dozen of balls in compression, meaning like if they say it was 100, what was the biggest gap from one ball yeah, to the, the next? The, the standard deviation was around 10, so I'd have to go back and, <laughs> really? and look at the, the exact numbers, but it was, it was, it was pretty significant. And again, now, you know, we, we, I don't want to mislead anybody. When, when a golf ball company does a quality check, they're going to they're gonna check 12 dozen, right? That, that wasn't our sample size. Uh, so I'd expect our standard deviations to be a little higher, but when you look at a list of balls, right and you're seeing you know one point something 2.5 3.0 and then all of a sudden you've got a you've got a couple nines an eight and a ten or whatever it is you're like all right you know these guys have a problem and and at that point right as soon as you see that that to me is absolutely disqualifying like how can you how can you feel 
confident, right? I'm not a guy who's, who's always saying, well, I need to feel confident when I look at something, this, that, and the other. But when when you know that there's that much inconsistency from one ball to well, the other Well, that leads to one of the most important out. takeaways, and that is Tony and I were talking about it kind of when we were first looking at the data, and we went, man, the most shocking thing I can tell people, and Danny Woodhead, old expatriate, reached out and was like, so what did you find out about the test? And I said, look, I can't give you the results, but I'm going to give you a tip. Play the same damn ball yes. every shot you hit, every hole you play, every round you play, and here is why. There are so many differences from, from company to company, the 18 yards, the this, the that, right? That let's say, for example, on hole 13, last shot, you know, you throw, you lose your ball, whatever, on 13. You go to the tee box on 14. You do what almost every golfer does. They reach in their bag, which is a shag bag of a gazillion different brands and, you know, scuffed up balls, which don't ever play those either. I'm guilty of that. Um, yes. Everybody scuffed is. up balls, but the different balls. They said... But what I uh, what I find the actual number with all due deference to title is the actual number one ball in golf is what I find like that that's what most golfers play. <laughs> that is true. Uh, the number one golf true. ball in golf is what you. Well, it depends find. on what level you are. Hey, Tony is the highest level. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, no, I, but even then, right? You know, you still have guys that at a certain level. What I, I I'm only willing to play tour balls that I find. Well, or, let's just ask a question before I get to the point, Tony. How many brand balls? are in your bag at once and different models combined uh generally only two or three okay and so you're better than most but mine's two or three okay two or three i'm like 10 all right so that's a joke but um there are a lot of people that have maybe 10 okay. different balls in their bag and why that is different to get back to the point let's say you lose your ball in number 13 okay you go on to number 14 drop the peg in the ground you got to carry it 250 okay with your driver and you know you hit it 260, but you picked out one of the balls in our test that goes 18 yards shorter. You are now in the water, and it had nothing to do with your actual swing. Same strike. And we've seen it on TV. Tony, what was the shot that you were talking about originally where on tour they were talking about a guy that hit a ball, and it came up short, and, and the golfer knew that it was not his swing. The distance he hit was the right distance. You see it. like You, you definitely – I mean, and it, it's happened several times. You kind of see that, that look like where – Everybody knows the yardage was right. The uh, there wasn't wind. There was no contributing factor other than hey, that that didn't go where it was supposed to. And that I mean that can happen with a ball you play the same ball you play every time, right? Due to inconsistencies in the ball. So but it's going to happen Jesus, less than switching man, from ball to ball, brand to brand. Yeah, and so like if if you, we 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 know look we know there are inconsistencies within a box, right? You're going to get some depending on the box slight to significant variations and you're, you're going to take that and then go and introduce more variables meaning a, another brand with its own set of variables yeah another so variations. basically in a nutshell yeah. don't compound the variables with another variable right so i don't care i care a little bit less about what brand and ball you play i care more about whichever ball you play pick it use it and hit it every shot right no we actually uh, this is a conversation i had with with one of my buddies on the club side of the industry and he's like yeah that's something we've talked about would, would the typical golfer be better off playing the wrong ball for his game provided he played that ball every time versus kind of switching between balls that might be a little better and yeah the, the, the thinking is yeah you're better off playing consistently the wrong ball than you know playing a mix of balls that might be better yeah which takes us to the next one which is well if you're telling me there's so many inconsistencies right 
Golfers now have a new built-in excuse, and golfers love excuses off that first tee when they shank one, right? The ball might actually be your next built-in excuse because it might have been the reason why it hooked 40 yards in the woods. And why is that, Tony? Why is this that golfers have finally gotten the, the best excuse ever for uh, their bad shots? Yeah, I think I think Sam, who was with me when we did the ball testing, would agree. Like, probably the the craziest things we saw were <laughs> were balls that just soared offline. Sam, like, where are you just, at? I'm, get, I'm getting the next guy set up. Okay, well we're trying. Sam, Tony's trying to have a conversation with you in here. Sorry, <laughs> we we got testing so, going on in yeah, here, we man. We got some testing going on too. No days so, off. So yeah, and, and it's, so you saying? see a ball, right? And we're talking this, and again, right? Speed amplifies everything so it was most apparent on the high swing speed portion of the driver test where you'd see a ball and it would just i mean take off ob right oh, the everybody in the room be like OB. whoa what so, it that? so it would literally just start off straight and then just completely change direction. yeah yeah and so you'd go back and you'd be like all right what the hell happened and you're like well there's there's no significant wind right there's we're no watching the wind there's no matches. significant wind you're checking you're checking what you're getting from the robot you're checking the the data coming off the launch monitor and the only thing you see that's different is a major shift in the spin axis which is basically for whatever reason when that ball got hit it tilted hard and and so when we talk to the guys on the inside the ball guys we know they're like yeah it happens it happens because you have a ball that's out of round or because a core or some of the other layers are imbalanced or because there's an aerodynamic issue yeah. and yeah we saw it you know with, with probably half the brands in the test and so you know when i look at it we saw it with the snells for example we, we had it happen with a snell ball with some chrome softs a max fly a mizuno i mean i think we list i i'm not i think i'm sure we listed every one of them in the article where we saw balls go significantly offline but i mean it is absolutely crazy i was on the phone with you where we're, you're calling you're like hey how's it going and i'm like holy shit and it's because a ball is perfectly struck clean dead nut center strike with a robot just takes off and, and ends up, you know, somewhere between 20 yeah. to 40 yards offline down range. Even it's insane. Yeah, and if that's surprising, to, if that's surprising yeah. to us that work at my golf spot, my guess is, other than the people that actually design golf balls, that's probably surprising <laughs> right. to exactly. every golfer. And, but that's the thing too is like, you know, as golfers, it's so easy to say, oh, I, you know, there, there are very few times where I know that I was like, I hit that one dead straight. Yeah. Because, but then at the end of the day, you're like, it's it's got to be me. It's got to yeah. be my swing. It's got to be the club. And, and well, it's it's always right. I I guess I didn't hit that as well as I thought. Yeah. Right. Because the we we say it a lot here, right? Ball don't lie. Well, maybe it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, it is that is interesting that I always thought if I know I was hit, I know I hit that straight. And I think, well, there must have been a gust of wind above the tree. Like, yeah, yeah. He was always looking for something else. <laughs> some he was trying to find some excuse. It, it was nine it's like times the baseball player that misses and he looks at his glove like yeah, there's why, a goddamn why is there hole in the In my experience, the only time that I'll really, like, really inspect the ball, other than, you know, you're cleaning the ball off while you're playing, but if I hit a chip shot around the green and it doesn't check, like I was like, I hit that dead yep. nuts and I know it's supposed to check and it didn't check, that's the only time we're like, all right, Let's switch the ball. Maybe it was the ball. Maybe you know. Maybe I caught it weird, but fail safe, right? Maybe maybe it's me. Maybe it's not. Let's let's get. Well, I can't get rid of myself. Exactly. Let's throw. Let's a talk ball. about that next thing, which is cut golf balls. Not the brand cut, but the actual cutting of the mm -hmm. surface of a ball. Would you play if you saw that in one shot that you had a you know not a 
not a cut, but a decent blemish, right? Similar to one that you see on the article that we published, right? Where it's, you've got a close-up picture of it. Would you, a lot of golfers play that ball in the next shot, play it on the next hole. Damn, uh, things are four bucks a piece, man. I get it, I get it. But would you, if you were, if you, if you were playing for a money game on the weekend, are you teeing that ball up the next hole? Depends how shitty I'm playing. <laughs> if all is already lost, why lose a ball too? But, but how much yeah, do you I mean, think that would impact you know, performance? We know it does, right? And the problem with some of the launch monitors out there is they can't tell you that. So you see a lot of reviews out there on YouTube, on golf ball reviews, and they don't take that into consideration because it can't see those things, right? Yeah, um, I mean, look, any, anything that as soon as, look, if it's a little bit of like missing paint, we saw this a lot in the test, right, Sam, where you, you know, the, you'd notice like it, it was almost like a gray spot on the ball, right, where, you know, it, it just lost a little bit of paint. No big deal. But as soon as you, you basically had something that disrupts the, the cover, disrupts the surface of the ball when you've got kind of gnarly shit hanging off, off of it, now you're introducing, again, that is an aerodynamics variable you didn't yeah. have on the previous shot. So, yeah, yeah. Unless, so we inspected every ball, you know, after we, after we would collect them, we inspected everything and made sure that, and unfortunately there were balls where we hit it one time and we are like, that shouldn't well, happen. Well, think but about does. this. If a ball that's round or you thought was round flies 40 yards left, how much could it fly right, left, up, down if it has a squirrely piece of junk hanging off of it? Yeah, what's the... Might, well, it might straighten it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's possible. Physics is a weird. So that thing. reminds me. That reminds we me of back in the day. I, all of the all of the guys um, out there remember a Top Fly XL 2000. If you talk about this ball one more time, I swear this I must love have been the best ball. golf ball. Like I love that ball because <laughs> when I was a junior, you, I used to go golf ball hunting, and if you found one of those or the early Pro Vs, it was the a golf Top ball. Flight XL 2000. Anybody out there that has those, please send them to Harry oh, yeah. because I love I love those balls. But if you were if you if you were in those bunkers on your course they would cut up completely because the the skin was actually so soft all right well i know that that was your most wanted ball okay it was great. but let's get to the balls that did well in the actual test because i think people should know so first and foremost there is not a best ball in this test in the sense clear that of, up right now what's that that's it so let's clear that right up. That let's clear it up yeah. right now. No misunderstanding. We did not name a best ball. No, but we did name balls that we think if you go out and buy balls next time that you should consider first. And I look at that personally as two ways. The ex excellent category and the value category. And if you want to go to the next categories down, you can, um, depending on price. But I feel like the excellent category and the value category cover the two poles, meaning there's no reason to play a lot of these balls in the middle right now from what we can tell when we think again right fitting notwithstanding right correct if, if they fit you awesome but but not just because whatever follows just because yeah not only because some social influencer told you this is a kick-ass ball that is <laughs> don't pay attention to that anymore all right so the excellent balls in our test the ones that we think are our tops in the category are the Bridgestone Tour BX and Phenomenal ball, both from a consistency standpoint and performance standpoint. I don't think I think it checked all the boxes, did it not, Tony? Yeah. So, I mean, again, right? As I'm as I'm looking at the data, right? Because I'm working on a full bag overhaul this year, and, and I'm going to commit to playing one ball on every shot. And so I'm lo looking for a ball I think that that's going to fit my game, and and I know what I'm looking for 
is, and again, not starting with a driver, but I'm just starting with the top of the bag. I want something that's going to lower some spin off the driver. I want something that's going to spin enough off the green. And then around on the irons, I, I'm not looking for anything extreme, right? I don't want something that's going to not spin, land and roll. And I don't want something that's going to hit and spin off the front. And so I'm looking at the chart going, all right, what are these, which of these balls that are in our excellent category that I think are are really good from a consistency standpoint is a good fit for me. And I'm like, boy, that X, that, that tour BX looks really good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's you know, me. And I can see why other people would look at that pro V one X and go, hell yeah. And, and the well, Shrixon look, the pro V one and, and the X are both in the excellent category. And so is the Strixon Z star and those four balls, um, contrary to maybe what you've heard in regards to sales figures, you know, hot list metals, those four balls are legitimate for top performing balls in the industry, period, you know? They perform outstanding, again, and we're talking about different performance characteristics, right? Um, but in terms of, of consistency and what we saw in things like the compression measurements and things like that, there just, there wasn't anything we looked at. And certainly, you know, it was what Sam and I were watching is these balls were flying down range. You sort of get, all right, this is where the ball is supposed to land somewhere in this range. And then you have, all right, you're getting a little outside the range, but I can stomach it. And then you're sort of like in the borderlands. And with the uh, with those balls, there was just nothing where where it just wasn't in the spot where it was supposed to land. And the consistency measurements, not perfect, but really good on a comparative basis. So I was like, yeah, you know, these as we really looked at it, those were the ones that, that just kind of stood out well, to me. Not only do you want to find a ball that performs well, once again, back to the different balls in a dozen, you want a ball that when you pick pluck another ball out of your bag, you can expect it to perform similarly <clears throat> to the last ball that you plucked out with the same name and same number on it, right? So Bridgestone Tour BX, Strixon Z-Star, Titleist Pro V1, Titleist Pro V1X. Next, before we get to the other balls, I want to get to the, uh, the, the value balls. So the value balls, the best in our opinion, were these, and that is a combination of performance and price. And that's the Snell MTBX, which you know did well in a couple different categories, and while it did well, it was it was the longest golf ball in our test by leaps and bounds compared to the next one. Certainly it, at high speed, yep. Yep, certainly at high speed. It's a a cheaper ball compared, relatively speaking, to a lot of the leading tour quality balls. Um, uh, so it's that like, was what is it like twenty eight a dozen when you buy five something? Yeah, twenty eight like bucks a I mean, dozen. I think when you buy five dozen. That's really, really good. Then the next one, you know, Kirkland Signature does it again. It's not the same ball for everyone out there that is listening. I've seen some comments <clears> assuming that it's the same ball. It's not the same ball we originally tested that kind of took the golf ball world by storm, but it is another good ball. And I think it's $12 a dozen. Like, yeah, is that it, right? I mean, you, you have to buy dozen. two dozen, but yeah. It was like, yeah average, well, two dozen is less than one dozen of any other ball yeah. in the test. It was like a it's a dollar a freaking ball. Yeah. A dollar a ball. ball. A dollar a ball. It's not the greatest ball. I'm not a big fan but of it. But if you're the guy that's in the middle and doesn't really care too much, I'm going to play a dollar ball. Hey, if value well, yeah, I mean, is I your... I guess, you know, big picture, right? Are you better off playing a, a dollar Kirkland ball or a, a dollar Ionomer covered two-piece? Right, you know, great that, point. That maybe so, doesn't provide greenside performance? Yeah, Kirkland. I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't love the ball. It's not a fantastic ball. It's to do with personal preference. solid. And it, it's it's going to do better than than the majority of two right, pieces. Shoot, of, shoot a straight before level. we get to the other accolades, Matt, uh, Tony. Um, would you ever buy, or do you think golfers should ever buy a two-piece value ball? So 
unless, right? So Bridgestone, for example, with the E12 promotes straighter ball flight, right? That's, that's something we haven't tested. I don't know if that's true. It's part of the conversation. So if it is true, if we assume it's true and you desperately need straighter ball flight, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're, if you're just trying to save a few bucks, right? If that's your decision point to going to a ionomer, no, there's, I, I yeah, think here's why be we just found a ball at twelve ninety nine. We just found a ball at twelve bucks that is cheaper than the two piece dollar balls. a ball <laughs> and <laughs> performs just as good or better, guaranteed. So I don't know who I was talking to, but one of the golf ball guys basically said, "Yeah, we make the cheap balls, the two piece balls, for like guys that just want to play in a tournament, you know, and we give them away. And basically, there's no value performance wise. And the tour balls and the other people that we've consulted with have, that have tested balls before we did it um, that have similar data to what we have." said the same thing, like there's really no value in buying a two-piece ball anymore. Yeah, you know? with as many premium options as you have under $35. Right, like you, you see guys who buy them, one, because they're cheap, two, because, you know, something like a, a Titleist Velocity, for example, flies for absolute miles, uh, and, and the rest is, hey, is there some, something to the shot shape correction story, right? And if there's something to that, okay. Uh, but beyond that, my God, there's a dollar a ball. I would also argue that some guys don't think that they're good enough to play. Yeah, that's yeah. a perception that's just not true. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Is there's this this this, pull, this perception in the industry people got like my dad doesn't think he's good enough to play expensive golf balls, yeah. so he buys the Slogingers. But for he's also, four, for fourteen he's, bucks for forty. All those guys will lose more of those balls on around on around to round, you know. So they yeah. might be like, hmm. I'm not going to waste thirty bucks on a dozen balls that I'm going to lose in two rounds. Dollar a ball. Tony just told you. But. When you come to when you come to Kirkland's, yeah, yeah, dollar a ball can't compete with Walmart X outs, man. Hey, and yeah, the there's no need to buy Walmart golf balls anymore. Just <laughs> buy the Kirkland's. And if the quality control is what we now know it is, you may be losing those balls, and it may not even have been your fault in the first place. But that's another thing we should try to help. Hopefully, start the messaging to move forward to change. Like, I get it. When you're in a rush, you got to stop and buy balls wherever, right? Yeah. But. There are good, there is good stuff out there. There's a gazillion ways to get them between Amazon and all the other ways to get balls now. Just, you know, try to consider these balls, right? And that gets us to another myth. And that is the whole, I hope from this day forward, it's probably going to take a while, but the whole soft golf ball thing needs to be dead. So when, when golf, golf ball companies focus group study, golf ball buyers, Tony, and they say, what is the most important thing that you give a damn about when it comes to a ball? What do they say? I would guess it's feel. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Have to guess. Never... We know. They tell us every time they do the study, it's feel, <laughs> feel, feel, right? So why did golf ball companies create soft golf balls, in your opinion? Yeah, so my history may be wrong here. We talked about this earlier. I think, to the best of my recollection, what I've heard, kind of started with the precept lady, right? A ball, a women's ball. And I guess we probably shouldn't say women's ball anymore, but that was that was the marketing, right? Like, this is a ball for women. And it turns out guys liked it because it felt soft. Yeah. They so were next thing you know, you've got the laddie, right? The lady becomes the laddie for men. And it, it trickles down. Yeah. You've got you've got the Wilson. So Wilson, you know, fast forward, right? Wilson does like the zip. And then uh, the, the duo kind of catches fire, right? But that's it catches fire in a very small segment, right? It's still a two-piece ionomer ball that's incredibly soft feel. A lot of guys like it. I can't say this is what happened, but if I'm Callaway, right, and, and consider where we are, you know, four or five years ago, 
I want to take on Titleist in the in the in the urethane Torball category. Everybody who's tried to take on Titleist has has failed because they they tried to compete at either a lower price point, even regardless of the price point, with basically the same story, right? Our ball does the same thing that your ball already does, and well, if it if it already if if it does what mine does, why should I buy it? Right. And so there was a marketing opportunity, I think, to go in and, and in that softer space and really create differentiation in the tour category that hasn't existed that didn't exist at the time. And it gave golfers you know, over want. several it iterations, more and more people because of the success of Callaway, everybody else has kind of had to chase into that soft space. Yeah, that's that's a that's an unfortunate thing I think that happened for Titus. I think they looked around and went, Jesus, man, like everybody's going in this soft space. You know, we gotta compete, right? So we'll make a soft ball. And I think if they were to admit, they probably didn't even want to create that ball to begin with. Um, if they're being yeah, completely I think, honest. Look, I mean, it's it's funny. Everybody says, well, you know, AVX, right? Only exists because ChromeSoft was kicking Titus ass. And you know, kicking ass is a relative term, I guess, but. Yes, I think I think AVX was a reasonable and necessary response to ChromeSoft, but do I think that's a ball Titleist wanted to make? Well, it's not no, a ball that helps. It's not a golf ball that helps golfers, so it needs to be stopped. Not being made. many. The only very, people very it helps few. is Ken, the only people it helps is Harry. Super high swing speed, super high spin off the driver. That right. might help it. Ballpark 155 mile an hour ball speed, 2800 spin off the driver, and that's not to say. Your iron characteristics always align, and you again. We want to talk about getting fit from irons and wedges, but if if you are also, you know, those those are kind of your driver characteristics, and you're also high spin, high speed off the iron. Yes, ABX, anything with soft in the name might work for you, but that is the market, and that is other than I want it because it's soft and I like soft. The preference, guys, that is the real performance market for that ball. Well, a couple things I want people to remember. So, based on our test and the data. A soft golf ball, the ones that you hear out there, Chrome Soft, you know, the ones that have soft name, Duo, Taurus, Torsoft, Torsoft, mm -hmm. a Vinisoft. soft, a soft golf ball is a slow golf ball. Soft, period. Yeah. And so, um, what have we been like? Almost ten years of testing, right? And in that ten years, we've created all kinds of charts and diagrams and looked at a whole bunch of data. And that, when we laid out that ball speed versus compression chart, and you see that absolute correlation between uh, compression and ball speed. I mean, that I would say in again almost 10 years of doing that, that is the single most eye opening chart I've ever created. Right. And, and to see that and go, my God, like, why, why would you want to give up ball speed? And it's funny, right? When, when the same guys who, who, who tell you that with, with drivers and irons and all this stuff, hey, ball speed is king, ball speed is still king. And now you get down to the golf ball space and you're like, mm, you know, no comment, right? Um, it, it's eye-opening. It is absolute. There is no arguing the absolute correlation between ball speed. Yeah. And so if I were to ask you, and you know, we tweeted this earlier, so I think I thought it was a good point you mentioned. Um, I took your comment to a reader in the comment section and basically just put it out on Twitter. But I'm going to em embellish it not to what the reader said, but to what the actual facts were in the test, and that is, would you give up? Eight or ten yards for a golf ball, or sorry, eighteen to twenty yards off the tee for a golf ball that you said I prefer feel over distance. Not many golfers would answer yes to that, and Tony's response was, and we have found it year after year in every study, and I wish golfers would just stop saying that this is true because it's not. Tony's response was, and it's a fact, feel is meaningless. 
Golfers love to talk about it, but it has no bearing on performance. Feel is why soft balls have emerged to the detriment of your actual performance. Both of those are true. Not only, almost for everything we test in here. People say, I gotta like the looks, I gotta like the feel. None of it has shown to be true in anything we've tested so far and definitively not in balls, right? So, so I, wanna, I wanna go back like to, like in the early days when we first started doing driver testing, we were just learning and trying different things, right? Throwing noodles at walls to, to see what, what the readers would respond to and what they wanted. We used to do sound and feel, look, sound and feel surveys on everything. We still do them. We don't we don't publish them necessarily, but goes back to you remember the power pod too? Yes. Like this this hideously ugly, garbage sounding anti-slice driver, right? It was it was everything that a traditionalist would hate. It it was definitely not not good to look at, right? It it was ugly. But we had a guy and, and it wasn't just the power pod, but this is the most extreme example, right? So we, he goes through the test and we've got all the data and he fills out the survey and leaves comments and he was like, you know, ugliest driver ever, terrible sound and feel, no way, just couldn't hit it straight at all, all over the place, totally inconsistent. And we go back and look at the data and I'm like, holy shit, this is the best driver for this guy he's ever tested. Like the numbers were appreciably better than anything we'd gotten from him before. Data. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> he said, he said, was that Tony's this data? Tony's data. <laughs> But so it, you start to see like what what your mind tells you is going on, and it isn't always what's real. Well, what right? you so said the other what you said earlier. Here's a guy me. telling me it didn't go straight, and I'm like, yeah, your dispersion was tighter than it's ever been. Like, not only did you say the golf ball might be lying to you, but golfers lie to themselves, and we see it every day in the test facility, uh, and I've seen it every day for 20 years. Right? They come took me here. took me I don't know how many years to finally be convinced, not just convince myself, but have others convince me that, yeah, you know what, maybe you just really shouldn't hit a five iron ever. Well, I'll give you some examples. Uh, you know, obviously Sam and T or Harry can tell you how many golfers come through here, do an entire most wanted test, meaning their actual data, and say, which driver did you like the best? <laughs> oh, I know this driver was number one. Uh, no, that was number 17. Here's your number one driver. And they will not play it. Sam found out that his number one driver this year, or la last year, and this is because this. <laughs> what was your number one driver last year? We all know. <laughs> My best driver was a vertical groove driver. I don't even think that they're in business anymore. I don't, I don't think they're in business. Because Sam didn't buy one. If Sam had just bought the driver. <laughs> well, they're probably out of business because they said vertical grooves did something that was total bullshit. But that being said, Sam actually played that driver for a while, right? And I think he eventually switched. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> After like a so day. Even, so it even, didn't last very long. So even Sam, a guy that runs the facility here for Most Wanted, it's hard to wrap your head around playing the prize that should be best for you. And I get that. I understand that. And if that's not, if you can't play number one, go down to number two. And that's what I did. Just for the record, that's what I did. <laughs> you I went, went to two. number two. <laughs> and if that doesn't look well for you, like for me, for shoes, I'm wearing them now. They're not the number one ranked shoe we had. They were the number fourth or fifth, but... That's what I wear, and guess what? It works number one yeah, for me, so, so that's fine. Yeah. Well, it, and it doesn't look like number two. What was number two? <laughs> no, it's a poop joke, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the accolades. So number one, the Excellent Ball is Bridgestone, Torby X, Strixon Z-Star, Titleist Pro V1, Titleist Pro V1X. I'm going to put you at the bottom category next and fill in the gaps after that. 
In the poor category, uh, there was the cut blue and cut gray. And I'll let Tony and Sam uh, go on and to tell people why the cut balls were the only balls in the poor category. Well, first, I mean, there were there were some general, let's say, inconsistencies in, in some areas of performance. Uh, the gray, I believe it was the gray that is, is slow, even relative to its compression. Um, you know, it's funny, just looking at the chart, you can, you can kind of argue the rating just based on what you see. But when we got to the wedge test and we hit the ball and they came back, we're like, every last one of them was cut. And it was literally cut to the point. And no, that's, no that's actually the picture that's in the article is, is a cut ball after a single wedge swing. And that was true for every cut ball we hit, blue, gray, so whatever. So it, it is our feeling that, that no golfer is going to be happy with, with a golf ball that is what I believe to be unplayable after a single clean wedge strike. Yeah, like that's, that's to me, that is so even if it had the completely best disqualifying, even totally if it had the best performance and did that, we, it would have been in that category. And it has to be, even if it was a titles pro V1 and it did that on every shot, it would have been in the poor. Um, yeah. But yeah. the cut didn't perform the best, and the quality control was the worst. So on to the next is um, the best distance balls were the Snell MTBX by quite a substantial amount. On high speed, high speed for sure, yeah. Yeah. It was the, it was the longest on high speed. The, uh, the Pro V1X was a little longer for guys with uh, at the 85 mile an hour robot setting correct and then the the, the tour bx the bridgestone ball was the one that was sort of right there in the conversation yep so the three uh, longest at, balls at both those test, speeds. the snell mtbx titles pro b1x and the bridgestone tour bx spin which you know at the end of the day um not to get on a soapbox because we don't know if that's a soapbox we can get on yet but i don't want and we're going to tell you which ball spun the most but we don't know if that really equates to lower scores, better strokes gain values, um, because there really hasn't been enough studies on that. We'd love to do that, and we're trying to figure one out. But um, anyway, for those people that do want to know the highest spinning for the wedge, that was the new Volvic S4. And I would think you might agree, both you guys, that compared to the past Volvic balls, this was an improvement. Oh, yeah. I, think yeah, I mean, I don't, I, being honest, I don't have a ton of familiarity with them. What I can say is, you know, when you're, when you're, you're hitting balls, off the wedge right and and you go from a ball one of the you know we had a couple where, where the spin was in i think like the the 8800 range maybe on the low end and and most of them are 95 9600 and you drop the first the first volvic down and it comes back at like 10,100 yeah, and you're like okay hold on this yeah. this one is different and again not i don't think i'm almost positive right not everybody wants or needs as much spin as they can possibly get around the green or off a wedge like it's it, it's really cool when a pro sucks it back and, and we all want to be able to do that except you know as soon as you hit one and it lands right on top of the flag stick and then spins back off the yeah. front of the green then and, and you know maybe yeah, that I, wasn't I hate so when cool. that happens but, yeah so you know but but we also knew that that readers would want to know hey what's the longest ball do we think you should absolutely always play the longest ball definitely not but we know you want to know that what's the spinniest ball again should you always play the highest spinning ball probably not but we know you want to know that. And so, yeah, it was Volvic and, you know, whatever the other two were. The, 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 three, the three balls Kirkland that spun the most Mizuno, were the right? Volvic S4, Kirkland Signature three-piece, and the Mizuno RB Torx, which is a new ball this year. Um, 
We did the best ball, uh, best value balls. Couple of the accoladish things that we think people wanted to see was the longest ball, which was the Snell MTBX, and the MaxFly Tour, which is a new ball that has a new, you know, called center of gravity balanced. And in a nutshell, what's the analogy for that, Tony? Uh, it's uh, it's oh. this thing right here, <laughs> the Tech GoPro. So you put a ball in, you spin it around, it sort of finds out where the where the heavy spot is, I guess, right? How how the ball is weighted. So you mark it. Supposedly it hits you, helps you hit it straighter. Uh, and and based on what we saw in the test and some of the inconsistencies that we saw in ball flight, yeah, <laughs> this might not be the worst idea. So Bryce, that's a Deschambeau thing too, right? Uh, he uses, uh, I think he Epsom salts it, but yeah, it's the same principle. Similar philosophy, right? Yeah, same idea. Lots yep. of guys do that too. I don't know if it's lots, but certainly on tour, Bryson does it. Um, we can't not talk about probably the elephant in the room in regards to the highest perceived performing ball versus probably the worst perceiving ball on the test. And it, it does chat my ass a little bit uh, because, you know, Callaway does an incredible job of marketing. Uh, that being said, they have become, what, the number two golf ball company in the world, correct, Tony? Number two and, uh, and growing. And, and projecting that they're going to narrow that gap now. You know, they got a long way to go to get to number one, but... Yeah, I'll never forget yeah. Harry Arnett called me years ago, and he goes, this is back before they started the five-year war, and he said, uh, how, do you, how are we going to take on this behemoth Titleist? I said, you go right after him if, if it was me, you know? And they did. They went right after him. Uh, but in my opinion, they went after him with a ball not nearly as good. The Callaway Chrome Soft is being marketed as one thing. It is a totally different story when you get it on the course and the people that the, the core is soft but it is not fast yeah it is not fast uh, i don't give a damn how much graphene they put in the thing to do whatever they said it did uh it's a slow ball it's not a very consistent ball uh it's the shortest golf ball in our test both the soft and the soft x and i don't think any of us would have probably thought that before mm, the test I thought started. it was going to be one of the best ones when you guys went out to do the test i thought it was going to be as they said, it was on the 10, you know? Yeah. It was going to be good. Yeah, I mean. So think about that. 36 balls tested. The second brand number two selling ball in golf came up dead last. Uh, that's a shocker to us, and I'm sure it's a shocker to yeah. the people that read the article so far. And if you haven't, um, in my opinion, you know, uh, play the Chrome Soft if you want and be influenced by marketing all you want. But at the end of the day, the data is what it is, and this is the truth, and this is what's real, and that ball is not near one of the best balls in golf. So um, that all being said, wrapping this thing up, Tony, like I kind of want to ask everybody uh, what they think of this test. What do you think the value is for consumers? What do you think the value is to the industry? What do you think the impact could be based on this test, in your opinion? Well, like you said, I, I hope fitting becomes a, a, a more important part or, or ball fitting becomes a greater part of the conversation. Uh, I, I certainly, you know, we, we took a lot of, put a lot of effort into talking about the right way to get fit and what you should look for and things like that. And, and you know, things like, hey, fit the, fit the golf ball to the irons and wedges, then fit the driver to the ball. Kind of the education piece we, we really put a lot of effort into, and I hope people take that away. Uh, I want people to that, that understand the performance characteristics of the ball that they're playing now to look at that launch and spin chart and say, hey, you know, I, I have 
this ball I play now, I wish it did this or that differently and, and look at those charts and, and maybe get some ideas for some, some balls that they, they, that might be better for them and go try some sleeves on the course, right? Because we're not here to say, Hey, this is the best ball period. I want you to have some ideas of what to try. And, and if we're being honest, maybe balls that you shouldn't try as well. Yeah. Because again, that the, you know, not to keep piling it on the softball, but but the actual market for that ball from a performance perspective is so wildly different from from, from how it's perceived that, that I think it is is important to call awareness to that. But sure. but ultimately, I, I just hope that we provided education, filled in some blanks in the knowledge, and, and dispelled some of the myths about golf ball performance. Yeah, at the end of the day, well said. I think our job, golfers spend a lot of money on the equipment that's out there, balls to drivers to everything, right? So really, we've dedicated the time that we come in here every day to trying to make it a little bit easier for golfers to go, that's probably a good product for me, or that is worth the money I want to spend, right? Because it's a lot of money people spend. Yeah. And our job really is just to learn first, educate second from based on what we learn, and hopefully that empowers consumers yeah. to, to make better decisions mm -hmm. based to maximize their potential, and then also keep the industry checks and balanced on things like the softball shouldn't be marketed the way it is, you know? Yeah, and that's why I think I think the whole marketing behind the ball will change. I think in five to ten years, I think you'll see a completely different shift in marketing. Well, yeah, I think I think overall, overarching, I think the biggest impact here is that we're just, from my perspective, it just seems like we're bringing awareness to golf balls in general. You know, we were talking about this before we got on live, and it's kind of like, you know, I... I never really thought twice about the golf. I've always thought that I need to play a good golf ball, but you have this perception that all golf balls are good and all golf balls perform the same. And at the end of the day, it comes down to, yeah, I like a firmer ball. This ball spins a little more, but there's actual real tangible differences yeah. in these balls. And the most important part is just to understand that that actually exists. There's, there's not enough education and awareness, like Tony said, in the industry to say that there's... Yeah, if this you is don't know, issue. you don't know, right? Exactly. And once you know, you know. You can make right. a better educated decision based on the data. Yeah, that and was before presented. this test got published, unfortunately for golfers, no one really knew. I mean, there were a couple people that thought, and they probably were closer knowing, like you guys are plus handicaps. You know that this ball is different than this. You don't know how much, mm -hmm. um, but you know there's probably something going on. Yeah, you can feel it. This puts hard data on what those differences are and not feel. I know. That, I, doesn't that was a pun. <laughs> So, uh, Matt, I wanted to see if we could take some comments and questions from... Um, sure. Do you have another laptop to pull up the chat on? Yeah, I can do that. All right, so... Uh, Here's, I have one question, though. So sure. You want to be the question number one. You guys, you guys know my swing speed. I'm a high-spin kind of guy, but for those guys who are in the same similar boat that I am, I, I want to be able to check the ball on the green from, say, 10 yards in, but it's, it's more of the chip shots, the bump and runs where you see the pros go and two or three uh, bounces and then checks up to the hole. Is there a ball out there for people like me that will do that but will not lose everything from the, from the driver to the iron um, and the spin rates, all that kind of stuff? Because I find it hard to find one of those balls. What do you think? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I yeah, mean, so you, you're compromising. <laughs> if you let, so, so on paper, right, you, you swing, what we, what we clock you at, like 120-something miles an hour at the PGA show. And so, Everyone's know, ball speed. listening already. They're like, dude, I <laughs> yeah. don't give a shit what he says about 120 miles. Yeah, I know, right? He, he's, he's an asshole. But um, <laughs> ball speed, 100, 
miles an hour, but you're you're high you're high spin. So you are the guy on paper that that fits into an AVX, into a Chrome SoftX, right? That's actually one I might look like look at in this scenario because it's it's a little bit on the softer side, but it's 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 kind of low to medium compression. You might get some of that green side behavior you're looking for that you don't get from something else. Like you're that guy who on paper could benefit from a low compression ball well and that's uh, you know not to t cut you off tony but when we were at strixon too we were fooling around with a couple different balls yeah i i had asked them to put xvs in the bag and i think you did the same no i actually did the did you want z star the, straight up the z star tour which is actually a harder ball. well yeah well they they were saying yeah you should go to um the the q star tour might be yeah. a good a good fit for you because that's a lower compression right, again, than z star xv now yep yep so, so you. So that's there, again. These are, these are these are balls which are kind of get marketed towards, you know. You, you sort of think them as for for slower swing speed guys who, who don't like the click of a firmer ball, right? That that's kind of where that the segment where this soft thing all started, and then it kind of spilled upwards. But but really, the actual market for this stuff are are, are guys like you, Harry. It's it's yeah. high speed, high spin. Yes, yeah, so because again, you're you're gonna so much of you're you're losing distance. It's because of the spin. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of, to a degree, can offset the ball speed loss there. But you, uh, but but theoretically, you will have to compensate something within. You're not going to find that perfect ball. So you would. Compensate. Well, again, I mean, we didn't do a lot of that super close to greenside testing. But you know, if if I'm going to make a broad statement that I believe is is to be is true, it's that. For most golfers, every ball represents some sort of compromise, right? Like there are a lot of guys who would okay. who would love. What the what the what the Volvic S4 does around the green or, yeah. or on a wet shot, right? Where it lands and spins back, man. That's really cool. That's something I want, but it's also a little bit on the higher side off of the driver, and I don't want that. So yeah, it's, yeah. You know, those are the trade-offs. It's and, give and take. And again, you need to find you need to find you know to, to borrow a pretty cliche phrase, yeah, uh, phrase at this point. Like you need total performance, right? Yeah, and I, I guess the balls that you see on tour. Are they the same balls that you're seeing in the manufacturers? Great question. Mm, depends on the ball. <laughs> so, for example, right, the Bridgestone Tour BXS that Tiger plays is the retail ball. Um, up until Callaway released the brand new triple track version of the Chrome Soft X, none of the tour guys, or at least very, very few of them, were, were playing the ball that is available at retail. Because, again, the compression characteristics and the performance characteristics so, hold on with so, it. So let's let's address that, right? Because we've got a lot of people DM me, emailing me going, you guys are full of shit and here's why. Because all the guys, if it's so short and the Chrome Soft so short, why are the pros playing that ball? They're so, not playing the ball. Thank and, you. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, Surprise, they're not playing that look, ball. Look at the UFGA. And look, I don't, this is not an exclusively Callaway thing, right? Oh, no, not at all. For as long as there's been a USDA conforming ball list, there, there have been balls on it that are not the retail models, right? If you look at back when, when Tiger was with Nike, you know, he had, there were essentially what are now Tiger balls, right? Uh, Titleist, uh, when, before Ricky Fowler left for TaylorMade, he was using what Titleist calls the left dot version of, of the Pro V1 or Pro V1X. Um, TaylorMade has a variety of different TP5 on the, on the USGA list that aren't the retail balls right because tour players have very specific needs some of them are looking for very specific launch and spin characteristics right these guys are most of them as repeatable as a robot in, 
in some cases. So they want a ball that does different things than what an average guy might be looking for. And certainly, yeah, compression is part of that discussion. Look, Phil Mickelson is not playing a, a low compression ball. It's not what the tour guys want. Again, the relationship between ball speed and compression is absolute. It is it is not up, up for debate. And so, yeah, you, you can reasonably assume that, that not only were those guys not playing the retail ball, but I think I would assume, and again, this is this is not fact. This is just kind of my mind thinking in a logical way that if you look at what Callaway's done, right, with the with the Chrome Soft X triple track that came out literally two days after we wrapped up the test, um, that ball is different. I'm told it is what the majority of the tour guys are playing. And while Callaway has we haven't been able to pin them down and get us to get us to tell us exactly how it's different other than they're saying, Hey, it's, it's got more separation in the, in the launch spin curves from, from the previous balls. I would assume, and I think this is a really safe assumption that the compression is significantly higher, right? Sure. That is, it is a ball that is suitable for tour play. Whereas the current or the, the stock Chrome soft is it's, it's a softer ball. It's not what's being used on tour by the overwhelming majority of Callaway stocks. Right, so and again, gonna, not Tony. unique to Callaway happens with every brand. I'm going to get to some questions on YouTube and Facebook right now. So just rapid fire, quick as answers you can give. D Smith on YouTube says, does a matte finish have any effect on ball performance? Uh, yeah, so this one, I, I've said this right. We actually, to condense the article, took it out. But I think it requires further study. Certainly what we saw in wet wedge performance is that the matte balls, including the matte urethane balls, had a tendency to jump a bit more uh, than the standard ball. So uh, give you some background. When we attempted a, wedge, a wet wedge test, we couldn't get a full set of data. But what we observed was typically a wet ball hit off a wedge under the conditions uh, we tested under would launch about five degrees higher than when the ball was dry. With matte balls, that number was higher. The spin was lower. So there does seem to be, and again, we didn't do a full-blown, totally extensive test, but certainly we found indications that, that a matte ball is going to be more unpredictable when wet, less right. consistent. And Paranoid Android Golfer, which has 167,000 followers, ask a great question. How many times can you say balls, Harry? Quite a few balls. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next one. I'm drunk. <laughs> um, let's see. What separated the Bridgestone Tour X from the Bridgestone Tour XS? Yeah, the big thing, um, obviously, the performance differences were were a little bit different. I mean, they weren't massive, um, but you would expect, right? Tour guys want sort of slight variations of the same thing, I guess. The big thing for us and why we rated it slightly lower, there was a little more uh, difference in the compression measurements. And while it's reasonable to probably assume that if you looked at a huge sample of Bridgestone balls, it would probably net out. We didn't want to make any of those type of assumptions. And so uh, when everything shook out, the excess was sort of right on the line. Uh, in my mind between excellent and very good and so what i've what i've told people who's asked is look um it's i i would have no reservations about putting that ball into my bag in fact you know the online beat fitting tool bridgestone spitting tool recommended that ball for me so i'm actually checking it out in parallel with the tour bx which is where i'm leaning right now so I got just a just a small thing in compression consistency online fitting tool fit me for the xs as well i've put it into play i love the feel of it I think it's great around the greens, spins way too much on the driver. So that's just my experience. I'm you know, upwards of 117, 18 on driver speed, but 
I I need a little bit of lower spin off the driver. And you tend to be what kind of more of a mid spin guy off a driver, right? Yeah, and like a low spin ball makes my you know helps me hit three hundred plus all the time because I'm spinning hit, at two thousand instead of twenty five hundred. Hitting yeah. lock and walls. Yeah. All right, the next one is a statement, but I think we today are finding out there's some truth to this. Callaway will start making chrome hards after this report. Um, look, I think, look, again, we, we covered this. I, I don't know that this is the absolute truth of it, but my, my assumption is that the new the new core, the new model, which they've kind of sl quietly slid into the market with the new Chrome Soft Dex triple track, and I believe the Stars and Stripes edition that was just announced today, I would all but guarantee that that ball is going to be higher compression, for sure. It, it just makes sense. Yeah, so suppose we were hearing that there is a higher compression ball that's still called soft that just all of a sudden has higher compression and didn't get told to anybody, correct? Well, I mean it was I mean it was it was really nuanced in the press release and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to one of the guys I know at Callaway today and, and see if I can get some absolute information because I know I know people wanna know and certainly if if Callaway has a better ball out there than what we tested uh, you know, it's, it's fair to let people know that for sure, right? Yeah. So uh, we want to get all the information we can. All right. right um, oh, he's gone. One thing I forgot to mention, too, was uh, <clears throat> a value ball that we did not mention was the Enesis Tour 900. Yeah. None of you guys have probably, or many guys in the United States have probably not heard of that ball. Enesis is a brand that we just started testing, actually, that's, done really well so far their shoes were really good um, some other of their products are looking good and their ball was a really good performer and in the best value so somebody had mentioned that in the questions pants and fit great too they gave us some pants sam, pants are great sam likes the pants <laughs> they make everything it's insane they make everything that you need to play golf from clothes to balls bags clubs the whole shebang so yeah, so yeah, good philosophy. You, know, you know a lot of U.S. brands do that too, right? What? Well, yeah. <laughs> Make just about everything you need to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> not maybe well, not maybe not as complete. But yeah. Same um, lots of shoes. Let's see. I think before we finish this, I would like to reiterate kind of the the takeaways that we want to put out there um, for people to think about. Um, the industry to think about, consumers to go out there and try. And These six were golf ball fitting is the future. It showed that there's more difference from ball to ball than there is from driver to driver in our testing in regards to distance and some other things. All golf balls are not the same, meaning there is a drastic difference in performance from ball to ball, and that was a myth that had been around for a long time, that there wasn't much difference. A soft golf ball, the balls that you're out there hearing about being softer, a soft golf ball is a slow ball, period. Uh, one we forgot to get to, and I know Tony wants to talk about it before we get done, and that is golfer saying, I got to be able to compress that ball, man. So <laughs> compressing the golf ball. I know I see you shaking your head. What do you, what do you want to tell people about that? Yeah, you know, I, I again, right, this is one of those things where I, I kind of understand where it came from. Look, the reality is there's uh, a ball that was uh, – was slow or fast. Let's, let's, let's look at the positives, right? A ball that, a, a high compression ball that was among the fastest at 115 miles an hour was also a high compression ball that was among the fastest at 85 miles an hour. Now, 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 maybe something happens, right, when you get down into 80, 75 miles an hour. Maybe, 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 but the bigger risk, and, and it's sort of like the, the marketing piece that's the 
the actual flip side of what's real is that a bigger problem is actually over compressing a soft ball at higher swing speeds. And I think that's why we see such a, a strong degradation in ball speed with the with the soft stuff is it is actually possible to over compress a ball, uh, under compressing it, not getting into the core look. Um, there's brands have been fighting that back and forth, right? One brand says, you know, you need to compress the core and, and other Titleist has provided plenty of high speed video slow swing speeds to say check this out the ball compresses plenty uh all i can say is look there's there's absolutely zero evidence that that the ability to compress the core is something that that a guy who swings in the 80 85 mile an hour and beyond right 85 80 plus mile an hour needs to really concern himself with you you're, you're going to compress it just fine all right so another thing that we see a lot and it's unfortunate, but it is the reality of golfers. I don't know why this is. Maybe it's not just golf. Maybe it's everything. But there's so many people that say, I don't care what you said. I'm playing this. Or I was disappointed that this didn't perform better. Screw you guys. You know, whatever. We get it, you know. At the end of the day, you there's confirmation bias, which if you don't know what that is, look it up. Because it is a strong factor in what we do. We publish things contrary to what you've been told or believe in. And that's hard for some people to, one, understand, two, trust and believe, and three, then make an action on change because human beings by nature don't like to change anything they do, really. So all I can tell you is this. I don't care what ball you play. Our entire job is to just help you find better products. We're not telling you to change anything. All we're telling you is, here's what we found. It would probably be in your best interest to go out and try it and see what you find. Think critically about the performance of your golf game and include the golf ball in that conversation. Yeah, and just remember, when you buy those TaylorMades, Callaways, Nikes, whatever the hell you're buying, those companies aren't paying you to play these balls. You're actually yeah. paying them. So <laughs> be why your are own you, logo. What's that? Be your own logo. Yes, that's what we say. Become your own brand. Be your own brand. Be your own logo. And what we mean by that is, why you're strapping these logos all over your bag and everything which i get it you like have pride and they resonate with you that's great but if those things are actually not helping you and hurting your score just try the other things and see don't be so adverse to trying something different right yeah, brand loyalists yeah we call it brand washing around here and it's real uh, people are brainwashed by brands Look, looking like a tour pro as as unfortunate as it may sound is, is probably not going to help you shoot under par it's never helped me. No, it's true. I, I, I have, you look I damn good on the nice golf clubs. course. <laughs> I, have, I have very nice clubs. I dress well on the golf course. I, 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 I shot even par through nine holes once last year and, you know, a yeah, lot of other rounds. twice that, last year. That's, that's that hat. That's that's that hat. No, that's had. Adam. Yeah, I, I play three times a week and still suck. <laughs> Everybody that follows hey. you on Twitter probably knows about your, your uh, struggle. Get, get on those Kirklands and buck a ball. <laughs> Hey, good thing for Tony is I don't think he's bought a ball in a while. Yeah, that's true. So, for those that actually are out there that have to buy a ball, dollar ball. Dollar there you ball. go. All right, so um, that's it for today. That's it for everything. Uh, we appreciate everybody that came out and watched. Tony, good to see you up there in New York. Come down here at the facility one day, if you know what I mean. Uh, I hope the sun comes out looking a bit thirsty. <laughs> he needs some sun. Needs some I sun think that's because he's got the, the sun beaming on his yeah, head right uh, now. There is but, no sun here. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like England. That's true. <laughs> it's anyway. no joke, man. It's 40 degrees today. Before awesome. we wrap hey, it up, go out and play golf before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask everybody what ball they're going to play.
as their most wanted ball based on the data uh, that they think would fit their game. So, Tony, what ball are you going to play? And you only get to pick one. If I'm for look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at things, but forced to pick one, gun to my head, Tor BX, done. Harry? It's either that or the uh, Snell. The one, X. one ball. All right, let's go to Snell. All right. Strixon's ESAR XV. I can't, I can't find a better ball for me. I'm going with the Bridgestone Tor BX or Pro B1X, one of the two. You can only pick Wait, one. Wait, you can only pick one. <laughs> you, you made the rule. I tried you to break the rule. <laughs> I'm going with the Bridgestone, the Tor BX. Yeah, I think overall it's, it's hard to beat. So uh, that's it, everybody. I appreciate everybody that came out. We hope that you, if you haven't read the test, go out and read it. Share it with other golfers. Like we say, share it with anybody that uses a golf ball to play golf. We think there's a few of them out there. Uh, I think everyone should see this. You can make of it what you want, uh, but the data's real. The data's uh, what we found, and we hope that you can find a better ball for your game in 2019 than you did in 2018. So that's it, and we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>